Welcome to another Portfolio Profile episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. Uh, Today, we're going to talk to another great company that the Ride Home Fund has invested in. And this one is kind of the most fun that we've invested. (laughs) It's the simplest idea. This is just a great product that everybody's going to get instantaneously. And that's why I'm very excited about it. It's a product. I I said to the founder that we're going to talk to, I want to invest in this because it's a product I want right now. Um, Let me stop fumfering. Paul, Paul Blair, um, you're the founder of ArcX. Thanks for coming on the show. Brian, fantastic to be here. Thank you for having us on. And obviously, thank you for your investments in the company. Absolutely. Let's so let's 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 get right to it. Give me give me the two minute pitch about uh, what this product is and why I want it and why uh, I think a lot of people uh, want it. Okay, so the idea came from personal experience. I was on a skiing trip with an army buddy. Uh, three days in, his ambition got the better of his talent, and he ripped his ACL, which I thought was a little bit inconsiderate because it meant I had to spend the rest of the trip skiing by myself. So I started listening to music, to podcasts, but I find that when I wanted to skip a track or adjust the volume, it was really difficult to get a glove finger onto uh, my earbuds. So I invariably had to stop, take a glove off, reach inside my jacket, take my phone out to perform that uh, simple operation. I love my tech, I love my gadgets, but I found that there was just no other wearable or any other way of of controlling music during exercise. I had a similar experience running, cycling, in the gym. And so three years ago now, left a corporate job, much to my family's concern, and started uh, building a team to to create this this product. So it's it's a... It's a smart ring. It's a wearable. Um, it's a smart ring for um, sport and fitness, but it's also essentially it's a joystick. It's a it's, it's a joystick that allows you essentially um, control of your smart device uh, using one hand, basically. That's right. We looked at lots of different interfaces, voice and gesture and touch, but find that when you're doing sports whether you're riding a bike, um, skiing downhill, doing some sort of exercise where you're using both hands, if you're wearing gloves, even running on a cold day, none of those interfaces are really um, guaranteed. So the solution we came up with was a micro joystick inside a little waterproof and shockproof housing. But to get past the whole sizing issue, that tech is then interchangeable through a whole series of different sized stretch fit rings designed to be worn with or without gloves, on your index finger and controlled with your thumb. Or you can also swap that tech into um, a little mount and attach it to handlebars, kayak paddles, ski poles, you name it. So, I mean, you can obviously play and pause music, skip tracks, take incoming calls. Um, You can also do things like, um, you know, limited SMS functions, but uh, you could do uh, SOS, you know, emergency calls, you know, uh, stuff like that. So it's, 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 it's essentially, um, it's, it's not a one size fits all thing. It's like, you can customize this to, to do what you need it to do, depending on, on your use case. Absolutely. If we take the main use case, um, where obviously the idea came from and talking about controlling music, in a sporting or fitness scenario, we wanted to keep it pretty intuitive. So the default settings are when it's on your finger, um, up is volume up, down is volume down, left and right is skipping tracks. 
But if you want to um, add a little bit more uh, functionality to that through the app, you can customize those controls. So instead of a double click to the left and it going back a track, you can go back at the playlist. Uh, if you're taking a break during that activity, rather than getting your phone out, because part of the idea is we obviously want to encourage people to stay active and stay and stay fit. But we all spend way too much time on our screens. So during that activity, we want you to have your phone on you, but not have to get that phone out and look at your device. Um, so you can accept an incoming call, as you said, or you can uh, pull up your voice assistant on your phone. There is a option to make an, an SOS call, as you said. So if you have an emergency, um, or you have an accident, rather than panicking and trying to find your phone, if you press and hold the joystick for a long press, five seconds, it will make a call to emergency services, and it will also send an SMS with your map location. That's the default, or you can customize it in the app. So rather than emergency services, it could be a friend or a partner. You might want to disable the call function and just have that text to go out with some uh, predefined text. Perhaps if you are say, at the halfway point of a run or a cycle, simply press and hold just to let someone know that you're at your halfway point, you'll be back in however, however long. And it it works, um, so it's customizable, you know, out of the box, and and there's a there's an app for this. But also, it works with existing um, apps out there, like Runkeeper and stuff like that. Um, at this point, we we have we've spoken to Runkeeper, Strava, lots of other big um, sports and fitness apps. Uh, we would love to be able to integrate that um, our app with theirs to. Um, essentially enable our ring to uh, control some of their functionality. So lots of scope for, for doing that in the future. But uh, right now, yeah, the tech works right out of the box, uh, connects via Bluetooth uh, to your phone or any other device in a couple of seconds. Uh, you don't necessarily need the app, but then the app gives you lots of different features and benefits. I want to come back to this because there's there's other things that, that this could be used for uh, down the road. But, um, you know, Give me a little bit of, of your background because I, I have dumb ideas for for products all the time, um, and I don't have the wherewithal to know how to uh, figure out how to uh, produce hardware to make it a reality. So, tell me a little bit about your um, your entrepreneurial story and and how you're qualified when you have this brainstorm to um, to gin up um, actual hardware that that people can buy. Well, after a business degree, I went into the army. So I was a paratrooper for 20 years. Uh, towards the end of that career, I had an idea for um, bringing a new product to market. I saw a gap in the market, again, like this, based on personal experience. Uh, it was for a dog toy. So I um, loved that whole process of taking a, a concept proving that product market fit, uh, designing a product, getting it manufactured, testing, prototyping, getting some feedback, made every mistake under the sun, learned a lot from that, um, and uh, got that product to market. Um, fantastic experience. I couldn't make them fast enough. I uh, grew that business for a couple of years. I even went on to uh, Dragon's Den, which is the British version of Shark Tank. Mm -hmm, I was mm -hmm. unsuccessful, but uh, mm. then did um, did a licensing deal and um, with a great uh, US company, and so had a successful exit there. One or two other startups, lifestyle business, a learning experience, let's say, 
And um, then five years in a corporate job where I rounded out my um, sort of business experience, had a fantastic uh, mentor as the CEO. And as I said, had this idea again on personal experience and felt the time was right to leave that corporate job and, uh, and, and take this idea forwards. I had the idea, I think, in my mind, but clearly didn't have the technical skills or the ability to get right down into the detail of industrial design or the firmware or the software. So my first port of call, if you will, was to, to find a CTO who had that experience. Mm. And um, uh, Kumar, fantastic CTO, lots of experience in the wearables business. His background is as a embedded software engineer brought all that technical skill and experience um, together. We then have, have added to the team since then. But he came on uh, quite early on, six months into, into the project. Yeah, is, that, is it sort of these days, you know, they always say about doing startups, at least in, in software or whatever, like you can just have two people and, you know, a handful of money and, and everything is sort of off the shelf now. Like if you're, if you're capable of having an idea and at least getting to the point of... Um, I don't know, sketching something out in, in CAD or something like, is it sort of off the shelf now for hardware as well? Like, are there resources for figuring out how to get in touch with manufacturers or things like, I, I hope I'm not sounding like I'm simplifying the process, but is it, is it something that is um, within reach for people to do these days to actually start a hardware business? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, any, Startup is hard. So, software business is phenomenally hard. But I have learned, uh, yeah, through experience that yes, hardware is hard. It's, it's true why they say that because you've got the added complexity of getting a physical product, all the supply chain issues, um, getting the aesthetics, the feel, the form, the function, all of that right. Um, but there are so many resources out there. There are a lot of different companies that will help you get to that prototype stage, the MVP, very early with relatively little money it might be a pretty crude uh mvp but at least from there you can uh, prove it product market fit get a lot of feedback um go around that design loop again and improve whatever elements that that need improving um so yeah there are there are lots of uh resources and uh, and companies out there but kumar and i bootstrapped this as far as we could um we as I said, went through that whole design iteration uh, four times in the end and improved every single time. And um, we're fortunate enough to get some really good feedback. Some of it was was quite harsh, um, mm. but but we took that on board, made the changes that we could, um, and in the end, we've now got a fantastic product that um, yeah, we're really excited about. You mentioned um, briefly there, you know, supply chain issues. Uh, you know, not to make this uh two of the moment but um what is what has been your experience you know uh the the ring is out in the market it's it's on store shelves in a limited capacity right now uh, but what in terms of manufacturing uh what what's been your experience in recent times in terms of uh being able to actually manufacture arcexes yeah, good question. Um, anyone producing hardware that has any sort of electronics inside will will know that, yeah, there is that shortage um, in the world right now. Everyone's chasing and after semiconductors uh, in particular. Um, if anything, the pandemic and the lockdown forced us to slow down a little bit. We had the foresight just over 12 months ago to pre-buy 
um, all the components we needed for our for first production run of 10,000 units. So uh, we had those sitting in storage. But yes, that, that is still a concern. Um, we are looking ahead over the next six to 12 months, and everyone will be aware that that things are still, in terms of lead times, whereas it was four weeks pre-pandemic, uh, it is now up to 52 weeks, coming down a little bit, but um, all the forecasts say that it'll probably be mid-2023 before things get back to uh, some sort of normality with reasonably short lead times to get those components and, um, and elements needed to, to put a hardware product together in this, this sector. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance, so literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com tech meme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash tech meme. ZocDoc dot com slash tech meme. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Let me, let's talk a little bit about uh, strategy here because, you know, in, in my entrepreneurial experience, the, the actual process of, of producing something that could go on store shelves is something that's n- new to me. Um, <laughs> I don't have experience with it, but what is, what's your philosophy on the idea of, I don't know, DTC versus going wholesale channels and, and, and actually, you know, working with um, uh, retailers to actually put it on store shelves. Like how, how do you think of that? And, and, and what is, what is that like building relationships um, with these partners to actually get the product uh, out to consumers? 
Yeah, that's a, a great question. And it, it is very much a strategy call. Um, what suits us will be very different to other businesses, but not relying too much on previous experience, but that's what I did with my dog toy. I sold D to C, uh, probably 20, 30% of inventory and the rest selling to uh, to retailers. There are obviously pros and cons uh, for, for each. Uh, we're trying to do the same uh, with this business. In terms of retailers, we are now in this uh, fantastic position where uh, we have got potential orders for 50,000 units, which is amazing. Um, we are now facing the challenge of scaling up to meet that demand. That is a nice problem to have, but right now it's it's still uh, a problem. Um, so yeah, it's very much trying to balance that. We want to um, sell some D to C and have that really close relationship with customers to get that feedback, to answer questions, deal with any complaints, um, all with a view to trying to improve the product um, further for future iterations. And um, just to really get that 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 call face customer experience, but um, we've already got uh, a good relationship with um, three or four high profile retailers in the UK, and we hope to replicate that when we launch in the US early next year. And what what is that what is that process like when you go to? You know, here here in, in the Northeast US, like uh, Dick's Sporting Goods is the big one around here, or, or like how when. I'm, I'm assuming that this is again another process where, um, and and we'll talk about like CES and stuff like that. But when you go out to these retailers, aside from them being like, "Oh, that's a good idea. I bet we could sell that." Like, what else are they looking for in terms of taking on something completely new? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is a, a brand new relationship. This is a brand new product category. Like, are there are there certain things that you have to like prove to them? in order to land deals to, to get on retailer shelves? Uh, yes, clearly the retailer's got to believe that the, the product will sell. They've got to give up some shelf space if it's in a bricks and mortar store, or they've got to, got to give up some online space in their catalog. Um, that takes a degree of confidence from them. Um, it will invariably get down to the contract terms. If it doesn't sell, we might be obliged to uh, to take that product back. Um, our secret weapon is Charlie, who is <laughs> who was our first hire. Uh, fantastic athlete, used to compete at an elite level. Uh, phenomenal salesperson, was an early hire in a previous startup, um, and has just got that ability to knock on any door. Um, create a rapport right away, um, sell the product in a non-salesy way and just establish that great relationship. Um, so Charlie's done a phenomenal job with uh, with those UK retailers. But yeah, you mentioned um, big sporting goods. Um, clearly, they will be a target for us, as will be uh, a number of other retailers uh, in the US. So it's just a case of starting that conversation. The more traction we can demonstrate with the more uh, sales we, we generate, um, clearly that those conversations get easier. Um, give me the experience on, on two, two different things um, for other people that, that might be um, going into the, the startup world to do something like this. Um, what was it like you guys, I think you won in gadgets uh, best of CES for health and fitness. What, what's the experience of, of doing CES and like sort of announcing yourself to the world there? Yeah, we uh, we were a finalist in that that category. We effectively went um, 
that was our soft launch. So went live at CES last year. It was a digital only version. And it was, yeah, it was a big moment for us. We thought, well, we'll, we'll enter, uh, we'll have a, a digital booth. We will send out a bunch of press releases and, and see what happens. And I remember the moment uh, vividly. It was on the 9th of January last year that uh, we our phones blew up when we looked online and just were getting so many inquiries, so much traction, um, so much publicity. As a result of CES, my wife started crying, um, tears of joy, uh, uh, along the lines of this thing that we have put you know, our heart and souls into for the last couple of years might actually amount to something. Um, still a long way to go. We might sell a few down the line, but just that I suppose confirmation at that point in time was was invaluable. So it was it was a, a huge moment for us. Yeah, I think um, winner of a Red Dot product design uh, award too. But the, the other one is I think you guys ran a Kickstarter at some point, and I'm curious these days um, is is Kickstarter another one of those tools that you can use to validate that oh there's interest in this? It's sort of like you you you're getting paid to do sort of product research and development. Is that, is that how you sort of thought of Kickstarter? Yes. And like a lot of things with hindsight, we would have done it slightly differently. Uh, we would have had a longer run up, um, tried to build more of a community, um, tried to get the word out about the product sooner. Um, but Kickstarter, great platform. Um, we also flicked over to Indiegogo and with a very limited marketing budget, again, had that confirmation that, okay, some people are interested in this. Uh, and the, the money we generated through pre-order sales enabled us to put that right back into, uh, into the product, go through the whole design for manufacturer stage iron out a couple of little kinks, which we did find with the electronics and, and just take the product right up to the point where we were ready to start production. Um, you and I have talked about some of the other things down the road that, that we, we could do with this, with this great product. Like, um, obviously we, we talked about sort of the emergency message thing. So like you, you can see this as a panic button for like the elderly or, uh, infirm and things like that. Um, there's obvious use cases for um you know visually impaired people to to navigate things and 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 things like that um but also as a wearable like there are obvious things that you could build out in later iterations too like you could add nfc chips and things like that so you could do contextless payment and other what are, what are you thinking in terms of how um this particular product uh can develop over time we obviously focused on it as a sports tech product and and that's i suppose our dna of this um controlling music and, and that almost single use case platform but you're right in some of those examples you mentioned we have been amazed at the interest we've had in b2b inquiries for all sorts of niche applications and use cases and uh, they've been fantastic um, great conversations to have talking most of the time with with other founders uh, who can see uh, our ring 
as an interface with with their their tech. Um, so we we're very keen to continue those conversations, and we have got three collaborations going at the moment. Uh, one as an interface for smart glasses one as an interface for an AR headset for a medical simulation, and another one, as you said, as a uh, control interface for visually impaired to better um, flick through and navigate menu options on laptops and, um, and other devices. There are a host of other use cases out there we probably haven't thought of yet, so we are gonna open up um, our software and enable people to program uh, and configure the app and the ring in in ways we probably haven't thought of to create use cases that will hopefully be um, uh, valuable and, uh, and and just make life a lot easier for for people in in so many different ways. Yeah, I it's the it's the AR and VR interface I think that it excites me as well because if if we are on the cusp of um, <laughs> AR headsets. Uh, maybe reaching the mainstream over the next few years, you know, you can, I, I know that, you know, certain companies think, oh, well, you can just talk to your voice assistant while you're doing that. But you you really don't want to be walking down the street and constantly tapping on your glasses and things like that. So I can definitely see, I mean, I, I can already see it now um, for all, a lot of the, the, the shooting games that I do on the Oculus and for VR and stuff like that, like having a joystick, having like a really simple, uh, interface tool like this, uh, you might be you might be well positioned to ride a a, a coming wave here. I think. Yeah, that the whole um, AR VR world and the metaverse is is fascinating. It's it's coming our way uh, for sure. And we have done various tests with a, a single ring, or even have a two rings, one on each index finger, um, controlling various aspects of that. Um, you're right that voice clearly has its has its place and it is like all tech getting better and better. But if you've got a bit of an accent like me, uh, even walking down the street and it's a windy day, that ambient wind noise can interfere with uh, the recognition. There's also the latency of, um, of using voice as an interface. So we're very excited about what's happening right now. Um, we are trying to tick those milestones off as we go, but also trying to have an eye on the future and what we can include in terms of use cases or even tweaking the hardware slightly um, just so we can uh, yeah, uh, add additional use cases as we go. So where, where we're at right now is there's demand for this. Basically, we're, we're at the position where uh, we're just taking all the money we've got and putting it into manufacturing uh, units to to get out there and sell. Um, so we're 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 right at the cusp of um, really entering the market and and hopefully flooding the market and, and being successful uh, with with this product and, and getting it out there right now. Absolutely, every startup out there, every founder knows that. Um, given macroeconomics and everything going on in the world that um, we we have to tighten our belts a little bit. We have stripped back absolutely everything. We're as lean as, as lean can be. Um, none of us have taken a salary yet. So every single penny is going into getting as many units um, to market as possible to, to meet that demand that we know is there. And, and hopefully growing uh, as a result of that, um, getting into new markets, we have got three milestones for our app that we want to improve. We see longer term value coming from the app. So 
whilst customers will have the hardware on their hand, the app will get better and better and offer them more features and, and benefits. So, yeah, one one step at a time. Um, but we're we're excited where we are now. But there's always another crocodile closest to the canoe, another hurdle to uh, to overcome. Um, but day by day, we're we're working hard. Well, speaking of, um, by the way, I don't think I mentioned this, but uh, if you want to see what we're talking about, um, check it out at arcx.fit. So that's A-R-C-X dot F-I-T. Um, do you have any, um, if, if people listening um, are uh, interested in getting involved or finding out more, obviously, I'll, I'll put them in touch with you if they, if they are. But um, uh, do you have any asks for the audience in terms of uh, if people do want to get involved, like um, some some key things that uh, you and the team are, are looking to do right now? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I suppose three elements. We are still in the middle of this funding round. We're raising um, $600,000. Um, we still have a little bit of room left in the round, but we do have to close at the end of this month. So if any investors would like to come on board, we would love to have a conversation. Secondly, other partners out there, talked about collaboration and um, niche use cases, other business use cases. We would love to have those uh, conversations. We get really excited about um, founders with great ideas and not necessarily startups, but uh, any established businesses who can see a potential partnership. We would love to have those conversations. And we are selling um, still on Indiegogo uh, with a 30% discount until the end of this month. That will drop to a 10% discount uh, for the rest of the summer. Uh, and then products will be on the shelves and retailers at uh, the retail price uh, of $69. So actually, if you want to get involved and like me, you're like, oh, I want that. Um, go get it right now while you can uh, for this sort of uh, pre-order batch. Um yeah, and 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 if there's anyone uh, listening that wants to help close this round, um, feel free to get in touch with me or Paul, and I'll obviously vouch for uh, the team and 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 what they're doing. Paul, I like I said, this is this is the most fun thing that I've invested in. It's the easiest to explain to my mom. What did you invest in this time? <laughs> she she's a runner, and she said like I did. She's like, oh, I would I would use that tomorrow. So super excited about this. Um, thanks for coming on and and sharing the story and. Um, uh, everybody pre-order this while you can. Thank you, Brian. 